the Lord. Amen. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. Encapsulated within that name is all the powers of the Godhead. He is Savior, Healer, Deliverer, Redeemer, everything you could have need of, hope for. Amen. It's all in Jesus. Amen. Let's go to prayer today and ask the Lord's blessings upon us now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your blessings to us, for the grace that has been given to us in this end time. We're asking, Lord, for your mercy and grace to permeate this service today, to feel every person, to feel every life, every heart, that you'll reveal yourself in a mighty way. Pray that you'll bring healing to those that needs healing, whether it be in the soul realm or the spirit realm or the uh, the body realm, whatever, whichever where it is, Lord, may the healing virtues of Jesus Christ go forth today and bring healing in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you'll meet every need, oh God. Lord, you know the ministries that are out from the church today minister in other places. Pray that you'll bless Brother Timothy and Brother Craig as they minister in the different areas of the country. May your Holy Spirit just move, Lord. May it just drive out every doubt and fear and unbelief. And let us move into the realm of the blessed today. Lord, may your anointing come and anoint us as a speaker and anoint us as hearers. And Lord, may there be a proper response given back to the Word of God today. We're your children. We ask your blessings upon us now as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. To report to duty to the great King of glory. Amen. How we appreciate the Lord and his goodness to us. Um, you know, we was just hearing the prayer request of uh, someone with stomach cancer and going to the brain. And, you know, I just want to remind you that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Sometimes these things sound impossible, and to men they are impossible. But to God and to the believer, all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. I just got a um, report this week, a picture. Wish I'd have brought it to you to show you. But um, it was Brother Ken Boyer who uh, had been diagnosed with brain cancer, been put into bed for um, some weeks unable to function, just totally down in the bed, uh, an invalid, and he wouldn't even take as much as a Tylenol for pain. Wouldn't take any kind of medicine that was given. He was just uh, saying, no, I, I'm just going to accept it from the Lord. And, and God came on the scene. He's back in the pulpit preaching again. Amen. Praise the Lord. This shows you that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Amen. That God answers prayer and he's there to meet the need. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you have those scoffers that want to say, well, that person took a treatment or two or this. It must have been the medicine. Well, you know, take this one, devil. 
Amen. There wasn't even a Tylenol taken. Amen. Because uh, he just claimed what, the, what God had given in his word and his word of promise. Amen. I would like you to remember October the 10th to the 14th meetings that we're going to be having our uh, annual meeting this year. It's uh, Brother Wayne Lawson, Brother Doug Baker, Brother Ron Spencer, Brother Donnie Reagan will be ministering in those meetings. So um, let, it, let everybody know, tell your friends, share it everywhere so that um, we can w- come and rejoice together. Amen. So um, ever, I believe that God will speak in many, many great ways. Amen. Had some wonderful times. I want to say we appreciate your prayers for us as we traveled and drove out and preached for Brother Donnie on Wednesday night and Brother Ron Spencer in his meeting. Brother Timothy was also ministering there and uh, Brother Kelly Hildebrand as well at Brother Ron's and we just had some wonderful times together and great fellowship, great hospitality, great times in the Lord where God just spoke in a wonderful way. And I know on the, on the home front, God's been here too. Amen. And been ministering to you and in a great way as I heard reports and listened to some of the services of Brother Craig uh, ministering to you. And also, um, the, I, I just was so pleased with the way that you supported the Bible study the other night. I think this will be a great tool that not only will bless us in the local church, but it'll also bless people worldwide. And uh, I was pleased to hear that uh, they spilled out into the hallway that we have to move. Maybe when next service we can just have it in the sanctuary, especially if you're going to support it like that. And Brother Craig preached on or taught on the Godhead. And uh, I tell you if, you, if you want to understand the fundamental principles of the Bible, of the message of the hour, that is the Bible, then uh, I, I recommend you to come and and hear these Bible studies. I, I believe they'll be a blessing to you. Also, that'll be Tuesday night at 7 that they'll be gathering here. Also, then um, we heard the report of what God is doing in the Ivory Coast. And with Brother Joe Adams ministering there and the others that were in that meeting. And also, um, uh, Brother George uh, Winters in Japan. And seeing God's still God. God's still moving. Amen. And he's... Um, getting that elect wherever they are around the world. Amen. So God bless you. We're going to look into the Word this morning, if you will. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, we'll read from the first verse. We'll take three verses there, and then we'll look in verse um, 14 of chapter 13 of Genesis and uh, look into these great, exceeding, great and precious promises. Amen. Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse than him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. How many, how many believe you're the seed of Abraham? Amen. Amen. So God has given a land to us, and he's promised to make us great, 
with a great name and that we would be a blessing. And then he said, I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. Well, the devil ain't got a chance at you. Amen. Now, look down in 14, verse 14 of chapter 13. Before you're seated, we'll read this together. Genesis 13, 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to speak today on the exodus, the return to the homeland of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I do believe that we have a homeland, don't you? Amen. I believe that God has brought us back to a specific place in this end time prophecy. Now, As we look into this this morning, our return to the land is typed out and prophesied through many types in the scriptures. There we have spent a length of time in Ezekiel chapter 37 there on the valley of dry bones. And we have been to Zechariah's prophecy of the seven candlesticks and um, and then the, the word of the Lord that came to Zerubbabel saying, I will bring forth the, the headstone crying grace, grace unto you. And um, so it's typed out in many types in the scripture. And the first one, of course, um, the first one in the land or in this promised land that God would use as a type of our own promised land as the royal seed was Father Abraham. And here we read in the scripture where that God places him in the land. And he tells them, lift up your eyes and look, and then arise and walk through the land and the length thereof and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Now I want just to remind you that these scriptures are more than just a history account. Um, but they are a prophecy of what God would do in the end time. So always when you look at these words of uh, a promise to realize they're more than just an account in the Bible or a story that is being told, but they're absolutely a prophecy of the end time. In fact, the matter is the bride in this end time is the fulfillment of all the prophecies from all the scriptures, old and new, that spoke of a bride in the end time. She is the fulfillment of scripture. Now, so as Abraham walked to the land, he would actually type the journey, the spiritual journey of the people as they would progress into receiving the full and complete inheritance And so he would start off with um, the divine call. That would be um, a a type of justification where God calls you. Now, you know, we we heard some 
uh, songs today about being forgiven, about being having grace and our sins are gone. And, and of course, that's what happens at justification. When God wipes your slate clean. I'm glad to be speaking to some people today that can say, my slate, my past is clean. I have no past. Amen. But what I have is a future. Amen. And this was with, with uh, Abraham. God would reveal to him um, uh, that, that God was one God. That it, that it was not a multiple um, gods because that was the, the thinking of the time of the heathen. And God would separate Abraham from all the rest of them and show that there is but one God. And then he would justify him by the divine call. Remember, it was grace that called Abraham. God just singled him out from all the nations and the people of the world and said, I'm going to reveal myself to somebody. You know, that, that gives you some hope. Because there he was, a, a heathen like everybody else. And he was just um, a wanderer or uh, someone in the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans and didn't, uh, was uh, believing in multi-deities. And his father, Tiro, was actually an idol maker. And, and uh, so, you know, this idolatry ran strong in his family. But God, uh, by a supernatural divine call, separated him from the rest of the world to make out of him a nation. He said, I'm going to use you to actually demonstrate what I'm going to do in a people in the last day. Uh, And, you know, of course, Abraham doesn't know that he is prophesying. He doesn't know that his whole life is a prophecy all the way to his body change and receiving of the promised son. He doesn't realize that God is going to use him to portray the life of the Messiah and the life of the bride of Jesus Christ. He doesn't understand this, but, but yet God is doing this by taking him, separating him from the world. He is showing exactly what he would do with you in your life, that he would call you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And said, hey, you know, Abraham, come walk before me and be thou perfect. You know, walk from here to perfection. And so this again is the divine call that God would, would call him. And then he would bring him to the blood offering. You know, Abraham didn't know how to, to, uh, to worship. So he would tell him how to build an altar. He would tell him what was the proper sacrifice. He would show him that it would require blood to bring about a sanctification. And so he would offer the blood offering, which would be the second work of grace, sanctification. And then he would, then he would reveal to him in Genesis 17, El Shaddai, which is the breasted God. And we'll go into some of this kind of briefly this morning as we go along. But, um, and then finally, the Son of Man, God would stand in human flesh using, using the dust of the earth and would uh, discern Sarah's heart in the tent behind him and give him a revelation of the promised Son. Are you with me? Amen. And, and so, again, it would be this very thing that God would do to, to be able to show that he would bring us all the way up to the change of our bodies and receiving the promised son. 
He would show all of this and demonstrate it in the life of Abraham. And he would give him a land that he would say would belong to you and your descendants. I believe God's got a land for us today. Now, Brother Branham would talk about this in Question and Answers 1 in 1964, where he would talk about the stations of Abraham's life. And he said it's exactly with Luther and Wesley and on down how he's dealt with the church like he did with Abraham, how he appeared and there when he confirmed the covenant to him under the blood, shed blood, it was the Philadelphian age. Yes, sir, that was the blood age, the Western age. And then what's the Pentecostal age? When he, when he come to there, he made the promise of El Shaddai, nurse from me. The question is, can you nurse? Now, let me stop for a moment. When he comes to reveal himself in Genesis 17, if you will, put Genesis 17, 1 up there for everybody to see, and we'll re refer to it later. But notice he said, when Abraham was 90 and 9, uh, the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Now, this word almighty God, Brother Branham would break down as El Shaddai in the original uh, Hebrew. And so, Shad, he went back to its root and he said, that is a breast. So, it's the breasted God. And he said, now, Abraham, you're just a baby to me. You're 99, you know, but to me, I'm the eternal one, and you're just a baby to me. You know, sometimes we get to thinking, all these promises are just to the young people. Sure, young people, ah, they can get divine healing very easily, but, you know, here I am, 99. Here he was with Abraham, and God says, but you're just a baby to me. Amen, your problems ain't too big for me to fix. I mean, your, your situation isn't too great for me. Give me some more sound up here. It, it, it isn't too hard. It isn't too difficult for me because to me, you're just a baby. Now, so he said when Abram was 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, look at these words of promise. Somebody's moved these. I want them to get them moved out for me, please. And, and uh, whoever's doing it, quit doing it. Now, so, leave, leave them alone when we position them. Now, so as I can say that, I'm pastor here. <laughs> Amen. It's a voice of authority. Now, so you see, then comes the Pentecostal age. After he come to there, he makes the promise of El Shaddai. Notice how Shaddai is the breasted God. And Brother Brandon said that would be the, the Old and the New Testament. So that's the complete Word of God gets offered to the Pentecostal age. How did that get offered? By God sending them Malachi 4. By God sending them a prophet to restore all the Word and all the truths would be revealed in the last day. Are you with me? So you see, this, this is what it been. We come down through the justification with Luther. That was the divine call, the sanctification with Wesley. That was the blood age. And then the El Shaddai, which was offered to the Pentecostals. Now listen, friends. Laodicea was offered this message. The Pentecostals 
was offered this message. Amen. It was through, it would be to them that they would even say, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming. Even through their own lips, they were speaking that there was a message coming. Now, of course, later on down the line, they, you know, even some of the writers like, um, uh, like Gordon Lindsay would later say, well, William Branham had the sin of Dowie because he said he was Elijah. No, it was them that said he was Elijah. Amen. It was their prophecy coming through their tongues and interpretation that said he would come as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent a message. And how did Elijah come? Or how did John the Baptist come? In the spirit and the power of Elias. So God told the Pentecostal, he's coming. Amen. And it would be the almighty God revealing himself. The entire word of the Old and the New Testament. But do you think they would receive it? No, they wouldn't receive it. Laodicea was prophesied to, to reject him. Amen. Now, watch this. When it came to the Pentecostal age, after he came to there, he made the promise of El Shaddai. Nurse from me. The question is, can you nurse? That was brought before the Pentecostal, see. Can you nurse? But they didn't do it. They grabbed them a breast from the denomination where they come out of, but then the real seed come on to nurse that breast. Now, I'm going to tell you, friends, there's somebody going to get the real Holy Ghost. Amen. If El Shaddai represents the Holy Ghost and the Pentecostals took tongues instead, come on. Amen. Somebody, somebody is going to get the real thing. Somebody's going to come back to the land of the Holy Ghost that the rest of them have turned down and rejected, but a people in the end time will be filled with deity and be real sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I can declare to you, friends. Amen. This is something different from Luther or Wesley, or Azusa Street. Amen. I'm glad I can declare to you this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. And you can have the very experience. Now the Baptists claim that they get that experience when they believe, but they don't. Amen. The the Methodists claim that that, um, they get it when they get sanctified, but they don't. Amen. The Pentecostals claim they get it when they speak in tongues, but they don't. But I'm telling you, there is a people in the land, a real seed who will nurse from the breast, who will drink from the word of both the Old and the New Testament, the entire word of God. They're not taking part of it, but all of it. So God offered the Pentecostals the promise of El Shaddai, the Old and New Testament, the complete word, by sending them a prophet of Malachi 4. To bring them to the full word. You say, well, Brother Tim, no, no, no. You know, that, that, that wasn't Brother Branham. The Pentecostals had that before Brother Branham came. Well, then they had the full word first. But it would take a prophet. It would take a prophetic ministry 
to turn our hearts back to the original faith again. Now, so in Genesis 71, where we just read, and when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. I am El Shaddai. I am more than enough for whatever your situation is. It doesn't matter if you're 99. It doesn't matter if we've been waiting on this for 2,000 years. And now we are 2,000-year-old church. It doesn't matter how long the promise has lingered. Amen. The Lord has appeared to us. Can we declare that in this day? The Lord has appeared to us. God himself in a pillar of fire revealing himself to this generation and saying, I am almighty God. Amen. Cancer is not too hard for me. Sickness of what you name is not too hard for me. Whatever it is, if you've got a need, drink from me. Amen. You say, my finances are in disarray. It doesn't matter. Drink from me. I am the Lord that will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He's El Shaddai. Hallelujah. And you can drink from him every promise. Amen. By the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So in the 17th chapter right here, he gave the Holy Ghost and it brought forth the Pentecostal age. They called themselves Pentecost, but they wasn't. Did somebody hear me? They called themselves Pentecostal, but they wasn't. They were the shuck before the seed came. Amen. They looked like it. There was actions like it. Come on. The initial beginnings that looked like it was, even to, even to the point that even Brother Branham would initially think, this is the move of God. He would initially think this is where that this is where God and certainly God was out pouring out something. He was offering the church El Shaddai to nurse strength from him. But guess what they did? Instead, they formed them a denomination on the sensation that they had. The sensation of speaking in tongues. They formed a denomination. We'll get to it in a moment. I'm just kind of laying some things down for a moment. So then when the church, Brother Branham said, when the church got the Holy Ghost, when it tasted of the life of God, when it drawed into itself the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, that's what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is, bringing the life of God into you. Amen. God's own life. He said when he gave Abraham. Now, if we would, if we would go down just a little bit into, um, into the scriptures, you would see that, uh, that with Abraham, there was a, a new name given. Right here in Genesis 17, he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And what he says is God gave him a part of his life Therefore, a part of his name. Are you with me now? And when he did, now here he, he gives it this. He gave a part of his name. Next thing, after he gave that, him that name, he placed 
on there that that on his name. What did he do? He gave a sign. He was ready to absolutely destroy all sin around him and positionally put his body in condition to receive the promised son he had waited on. I'm asking you today, where are we at? Where are we at in the life of Abraham? Amen. We've already received the promised sign. Amen. We've already received the discernment. We've already seen God use flesh. In fact, God is still using flesh. God's using your flesh and my flesh, revealing the Son of the Son of Man through human flesh. You're the last sign to the world. The next time, the next stage is the body change. That's how close we are. Amen. So he said he left the Pentecostals, nurse his own strength, his own Holy Spirit as a baptism, back into their weak bodies to give them faith for rapture. To give them faith for miracles. So he let them, let me say it again, he said he let them, the Pentecostals, nurse his own strength, his own Holy Spirit as a baptism back into their weak bodies. Now, here was Abram, 99 years old. He was too weak to bring forth a son. The Bible said his body was now dead. Is that right? Now, his body is now dead. He's too weak to do it. He's 99. He's unable. And God waited until he was unable. He waited until Sarah was way past childbearing. Because God was going to show this would not be by the will of man or by the will of the flesh. It would not be something that man does. This will be something that God supernaturally does. And that's what the real baptism of the Holy Ghost is. It's not something you work up. Come on, church. It's not something that you learn how to speak in tongues. It's not an intellectual receiving of the message, but it is a supernatural infusion of God's life into you. That's what the Holy Ghost is. Now, so again, he would show he was injecting himself, his strength into his people. He said, well, but, but Brother Tim, he placed that with Azusa Street. Yes, they were offered it. They were offered it. They were offered the message first. Listen, God sent Elijah to them. God sent a prophet. Amen. They would write 20th century prophet. A man sent from God. A prophet visited South Africa. They would say, this man is a prophet. His message never fails. Everything he says that that comes to pass is 100% accurate. There is no error in it. That was their testimony. Amen. But then they turn around and and takes the breast of denomination and denominate on their teaching of, of, of speaking in tongues. And because it wouldn't come supernaturally, they began to impersonate it. Let me just stop here for a moment. You know, sometimes, sometimes you can tell with people that they come up for the Holy Ghost and they're looking for a jump. They're looking to feel something. They're looking for a shout. 
And so they start shouting to get it. You don't shout to get this. You shout it after you get it. Amen. It isn't something that you get emotional to get. Well, if I cry hard enough, if I'll, if I'll shout loud enough, if, if I'll dance right here, if I'll scream out, I'll surely get it. No, well, just wait till he feels you. I mean, just let him feel you. Then there'll be all the emotions you can imagine follow. You say, well, Brother Tim, it ain't going to be emotion. Yes, it will be. You don't get deity on the inside of you and something not happen. Amen. Oh, now I know everybody don't do the same. Some cry, some shout, some, uh, but whatever, you're changed. That's the whole thing you're looking for. You're not looking to say, well, that's the night I shouted. That's the night I danced. That's the night I ran around the building. That's the night that I, I jumped up and down. That's the night I spoke in tongues. What you're looking is and say, that's the night I changed. Amen. My desires aren't the same desires anymore. My longings aren't the same longings anymore. Now, so he offered the Pentecostals faith for a rapture. He offered them the opening of the seals. He offered that generation the complete word of God. And they took a denomination instead. They stayed with their organizational system and denominated on, well, I've got the ultimate thing there is, speaking in tongues. And they cabbaged down on that and refused to move any further. And God couldn't take them into the land of the Holy Ghost because they were too happy on the other side of the land, of the, of, of the landmarks. Are you with me? Now, you see, it's just like Sarah did. Sarah thinking that God needed a little bit of help, doubting that God could do it. She slightly doubted the promise. And so she brought forth a child of Abraham's flesh, of Abram's flesh, right? And, and not a child of the promise. She brought forth an Ishmael. Is that right? She said, God, you know, I know you're going to do this, but you need a little help. Now, same thing that happens today, friends. We come along and, you know, there's two sides of this, two ways the devil will push you. Are you with me now? Amen. He'll either push you just toward emotionalism or he'll push you on this other side to intellectualism. Amen. And each one of them, each one of them is helping God out a little bit. We've got to help the people get the Holy Ghost. The Pentecostals thought they could help God do it, so they started teaching people how to speak in tongues. The charismatics took that on. Oh, no, I know. I, I've been in some of their meetings. In fact, to the matter, as a child, I was at an altar and shaken and pushed and, 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 and beat on the back and say, praise the Lord, 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 until you have a confusion of language, trying to help you get the Holy Ghost. But what it did, it was a manufactured tongue. A manufactured, oh, it was an experience, all right. Anybody that's been in one of them places, it's an experience, all right. Everybody coming around you and slapping you on the back and jiggling your chin up and down and, and telling you to say certain, certain words over and over and over. 
You know, one saying, fill him, Lord, fill him, Lord. Them said, empty him, God, empty him, God. You know, back and forth and, you know, on around and around. Yeah, it was, it was that. They were trying to manufacture a real outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Same thing happens on the intellectual side. A lot, of, a lot of the message folks have taken the Baptist form of easy believism. Oh, you, you never have an experience with God. You just say, I believe the message, and brother, you got the Holy Ghost. That ain't nothing more than, than Baptist. That's more Baptist than Lutheran. Are you with me? Amen. But, and then you have the other extreme over here. But both of them are a work trying to bring forth a child by human effort. So we're going to learn our way into it. We're going to study our way into the Holy Ghost. We're going to grow our way by learning until we finally get the Holy Ghost. And every bit of it is helping God out like Sarah did. And all it does is produces a bunch of Ishmaelites who will not be subject to the word, who you're always having to chide for their short dresses and tight clothes, who you're always having to fuss because they won't come to church, who you're always having to chase and get after and and try to get them to live right because they can't live right. They're wild children. But if you ever get one born again by the Holy Ghost, you don't have to beg them to come to church. You don't have to beg them to dress holy. You don't have to go with them to the store and watch what kind of clothes they're going to pick out. Amen. There is a change in them. Amen. And then the word of God no longer just becomes, oh, that's a man's opinion. There's, a, there's a, the God's opinion down on the inside of your heart that changes your attitude toward the word. Amen. Now, so Sarah thought she could help God out. She could bring it, bring it out, you know, just a, a little bit. And so, you know, he, he wanted, she wanted to kind of, you know, give Hagar, give another womb. And so, you know, the Pentecostal womb brought forth an Ishmaelite. So did the Baptist, Methodist, all of them. They started bringing forth Ishmaelites. They won't be subject to the word of God. Amen. But, but friends, we don't need to take a substitute when the heavens are full of the genuine. Amen. We, we don't need to have to do, you know, just have a, a belief in God and be sanctified by believing. Oh, but, uh, you know, but you, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's a person of the Holy Ghost himself. Right. Amen. Not an imagination. Right. Not a psychology. Right. But the person of the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. He, he's a person, not a thought. When he, the Holy Ghost, comes, he will testify of me. He's not a thought. He is a person. Amen. He, and, and there he nursed the literal life of God. Brother Brandon said, in El Shaddai, he nursed the literal life of God flowing to him. And that's what the Pentecostal age done. And what did he become then? A son. 
Amen. Now, so God brought this age up to El Shaddai. He brought them up to give them check writing authority. He brought them up to where that part of his own name was given to them. I'll put my name in them. I will identify myself in them. Are you with me? Now, this is where he was saying in Genesis 17, 5, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Brother Branham would make the point. He said, Elohim, Abraham. He put a part of his own name in Abraham. What was he doing? He's signifying, you know, Abraham, you cannot bring forth the promised son. You cannot have this body changed on your own. Natural works won't do it, but I'll come into you. You wonder sometimes how there's going to be a body change, how there's going to be a rapture. I have come down. I am coming down in you. I put my name, my life, my power, my strength into a people in this last day. Well, if God can change your body and make an old person a young person again, he can certainly take out cancer or heart trouble or diabetes or any other situation. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? Because he's El Shaddai. All you have to do is nurse on him. Amen. When you with the Holy Ghost this morning, if you're down and out, nurse on him. Amen. If you're sick in your body, nurse on him. Whatever your need is, nurse on that word, the Old and the New Testament. I am the Lord thy God that healeth all thy diseases. He was wounded for thy transgression and bruised for your iniquity. And by his stripes you were healed. Amen. So there again in verse 15 to 17, look at the same time coming down with El Shaddai. And as for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Amen. I'm going to change her name from barren to a princess. Amen. I believe that God has changed the name of the bride-elect church in this end time, filling her with his own life, his own strength, his own power. Come on now. And then changing her name and said, you're not going to be a barren church. You're not going to be an unfruitful church. The signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. I'm going to put part of my name into the church because I'm putting my own life into the church. And because of my life being in there, that the people that know their God shall do exploits. Amen. But instead, all this was offered to the Pentecostals. Malachi 4 was offered to them. Luke 17, 30 was demonstrated before them. Come on, church. But instead, the Pentecostals denied the supernatural birth of the word and took a manufactured tongue instead. Amen. Just like Mary did at the Pentecostal feast when they left Jesus behind. Remember, Jesus was 12 years old, and they, they supposed he was among the company. Brother Bram typed that exactly with the Laodicean age. They suppose he's still there. They're still singing about him. 
They're still talking about him. They suppose he's with them. But he ain't. And Brother Brandon said, they left him at the Pentecostal feast. And that's exactly what happened here. Here, this last day Pentecostal movement, they left him. They rejected him. Revelation chapter 3, 14 says, they put him out of the church. He was on the outside. They left him. And then they come back and they find Jesus. He is talking with the priest and expounding the word. And though the word is yet young, are you with me now? The word is yet young there. Um, Jesus, yet young, 12 years old, expounding the scriptures. That, that Mary comes up and before all them priests, before all the scribes, says to Jesus, where have you been? Your father am I. Have been looking for you. And there in front of them all, she denied the supernatural birth of Jesus, saying that Joseph was his father. But the word, yet young, corrected the error. And he said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? And Brother Branham tells us this is exactly what Pentecost did. When the word was young, when the message was young, when it was coming out, they, 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 they took the breast of denomination, they took the ideas of man, and they denied the supernatural birth of the word and took a worked up emotion instead. Now, the Baptists did the same, but they took a, they took a worked up easy believism. Now, saying your father and I have searched for you these days, but the word now corrects the error. Says, I must be about my father's business. He let them all know right then, Joseph was not his father. Amen. So Brother Branham said they left him at the Pentecostal feast, and there they denied the supernatural birth of the word, he said, Pentecostals, I'm quoting this. This is from, this is from the message, See Not Air with the Shuck. He said, she denied the supernatural birth. Pentecost took speaking in tongues. They denied the birth of the word. That's exactly what it did. It'll take so much of it, but won't take the rest of it. It denied the birth of the word just like Mary did. But watch. There won't be any more organizations after this. Amen. This bride is not going to organize. She's not going to take the headship of man. She's going to have the real baptism of the Holy Ghost and be united to one bridegroom. Now, so Brother Branham would tell us in the broken sister. Now, remember we're typing Abraham. He said Abraham met him as El Shaddai, and he said, he said, now, Abraham, you're old, your strength is gone, but just lay upon my bosom and nurse your strength from this fountain. Amen. What did he nurse himself to? A new body. Hallelujah. So this baptism of the Holy Ghost will know that you are nursing on 
where you're drawn strength from this word will nurse you to a new body. Hallelujah. Don't you dare grab the breast of a denomination somewhere. Drink the milk of the word of the Old and the New Testament. Amen. Hang on to that. Amen. Now, so this is the stage the church is in. Where we not, not only have the faith required to justify us and the blood to sanctify us and the Holy Ghost that changes our name and we nurse the very life of God into us, but we've also received and are the last sign showing us that the Word is being made flesh, getting us ready for the change of the body. There won't be an organization after this. I don't care what they're doing and how many isms and schisms are out there. Friends, that is not God's move. Amen. But he's got a bride here in this last day that will be unorganized. Amen. And is ready. Her next stage is the change of her body. And I just want to say in some ways it's already happening because it's happening from the inside out. Amen. Now, God had told Abraham, your seed will sojourn in a strange land. Now, he said, this is your land. I give it to you. Walk through it and be thou perfect. So he, he said, go northward, southward, whatever way. Walk through the length and the breadth of it. And I'm challenging you this morning. Wherever you are in the land of the Holy Ghost, don't just camp in one spot. Amen. As I preached just before I left home, there are unlimited resources, untapped resources. You haven't even begun to tap in to everything God has for the church. Amen. We are just barely skim the surface. Amen. Brother Brandon would say it like this. He said, if you can imagine all the water of the whole world, all the oceans, all the fresh water, everything standing there, and it's all being trying to be forced down into a little bitty pipe about like this. And he said, can you imagine the pressure that would be on that pipe? He said, that is the pressure of the Holy Spirit trying to press its way down through the church. Can I say it to you this morning? We have just barely tapped in to what God has in store. And Brother Bradham said, God opened the blind tonight. He raised the dead tomorrow. He said, it is unlimited resources. We need to look at this wherever you are at. Walk the breath. Walk the length. Amen. Walk the, walk the whole thing. It is your land. This is your land. If you need the Holy Ghost, it's, that's what's in the land. If you need divine healing, that's what's in the land. Amen. It's all in the Holy Ghost. It's all in the Holy Ghost. The land is the Holy Ghost. And we have arrived into the land. It was the third pull of the message that brought us into the land. Remember, Brother Craig was talking about that vision of Brother Branham. I'm three-quarters or two-thirds of the journey, rather. Two-thirds of the journey. He's looking at the, the map of Palestine. And he said that the land was laying before him. He had come through one with the first pull, second pull. Are you with me now? 
the third pull, the third phase of his ministry would bring us into the land of the Holy Ghost. No other message can bring you into the land. It is only that message, that third phase of the ministry, the opening of the seven seals, which opens up the entire Bible, Old and New Testament, that brings you back to El Shaddai again. What the Pentecostals rejected is offered now to you. Hallelujah, that you are the ones who can draw strength. Oh, we ought to be a strong church. You say, but I'm weak. Well, climb up into his lap. Get up next to him. Amen. Put your lips on the New Testament or the Old Testament and begin to drink the life of God into you. There's power in this word to make you live right, dress right, talk right. Amen. Everything. Come on. Amen. Because it's the word. It's the complete word. Well, church, we've never been in an age like this. I know some of these things kind of get common to you and say, yeah, yeah, we know all of this, but friends, do you know it? Amen. Are we realizing all the resources that are laying there, that are there for us? Now, so God tells them, now look, your seed is going to sojourn in a strange land. And, and if you'll look in, in, in Genesis 5 and verse 12, Let's read this together, Um, Genesis 15 and verse 12, sorry. Genesis 15, 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of a great darkness fell upon him. Now I want you to understand, this is right after he is told to to bring a sacrifice. God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, I want to take you now to the first church age. Right after Calvary, right after Calvary begins the Gentile dispensation. Right now, after this, the sun is going down, and he's showing him something. And he said, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a horror of a great darkness upon him. And he said to Abram, know of a surety, thy seed shall be on a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now, I want you to understand, God would tell the Gentiles the same way. But he would tell them, you're going to go through seven church ages. Are you with me? Amen. There will be a time where the church will actually go in bondage. You'll be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. You see, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now, he said, there's going to be a time that they're going to be down in Egypt's bondage. And he tells the church the same way in Revelation 1. He shows them seven church ages. And he said, there's going to be a time the church is going to go through a time where they'll be down in Egypt. And they will be slaves. They'll get, they'll go into slavery under Catholicism. Things will get a little better, but still in slavery under Luther and Wesley and Azusa. All of them would bring the people into slavery. Are you with me now? Amen. But now they will afflict them for 400 years. Ours was 2,000 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge 
And afterwards they will come out with a great substance. Amen. Amen. I want to say that we're on this side of the dispersal. Because he was telling them there's going to be a dispersal. They're going to leave the land and they'll sojourn down there for a time. And then there, and there Israel is going to forget who Jehovah is. They're going to forget his power. They're going to forget all the mighty things that God did with Abraham. But I'm going to return them back to the land. Look, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not full. But we are coming now down to the day that sin has reached its height. And the iniquity is full. The cup of iniquity. Are you with me? It's running over. And it's in that time where the cup of iniquity gets so good, gets so running over, I'm going to call the people back to the land again. And when I do, I'm going to dispossess the, the, the ones that are there and I'm going to bring you into an inheritance. Now, so... God tells him, you're going to sojourn in a strange land. God also tells the church, you're going to go through dark ages. You're going to go through where you lose sight of what even the original baptism of the Holy Ghost is. You're going to even forget whether God's one, two, or three. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to get all confused. You're going to get down there and get disillusioned. You're going to think God has forgot you. You're going to think this will never happen. Come on, church. I mean, you, you wrestle with them, them thoughts today. Why, Brother Tim, you've been preaching 40, 50 years that the Lord is coming and he ain't come yet. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to deal with, with all of these. You know, with that, where is the promise of his coming? He said 72 years ago, Pentecostals stood up and prophesied and said, ask John the Baptist. Then in 1933, 85 years ago, he would say, ask John the Baptist. Well, now has God forgot his promise? But that's what Israel got down to. They began to wonder, we'll always be here. And they began to think this became a foreign land and, and Egypt became their homeland. But I want you to know denominations, not your homeland. That's not where you belong. You belong in the land of the Holy Ghost. You belong in the full power of God. But why? Now, here comes the question. Why was it, though? Now, we know God said it's going to happen. But what happened? What happened that the people, God's people, got out of the land? He gave them the land and said, stay here. Then he told them, of course, I know you're going to leave. You'll be afflicted, but I'll bring you back. But God's original word was stay in the land. Is that right? This is where I'll bless you. Outside the land, you won't be blessed. Somebody help me preach now. So why is it now they're out of the land? Now, here's why they got out of the land. You see, God had promised there with Abraham, made the promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And he gave them a place. Jacob dug wells there. 
Isaac dug wells there. When they dug a well, they said, I'm going to stay here. Abraham bought land there for a burial place. He declared, this is our land. But now they're out of it. What got them out of the land? How come they went down to Egypt to begin with? It's a great mystery. It's a great thing to understand. Because Brother Bradham said, that's the question today. How come are we out of the land? He said, God gave us a Pentecost. He gave us the book of Acts. He gave us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. He gave us a land. Why are we out of it? Why is the church out of it? Why isn't the great Christian church today living again like the book of Acts, bringing forth the same thing? There's some reason for it. Now, Brother Branham tells us, we, you know, we've been out of the land. How come there ain't a book of Acts? How come the church ain't like she was at the beginning? How did she get out of the land? And he's typing it now with what happened with Israel, with Jacob's people, how they got out of the land, how they got down to Egypt. You know, because Pentecost, let me tell you, church, Pentecost is where we are supposed to be. We are to be back to Paul's gospel. We're to have the same Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. Somebody help me preach now. That's what was given to the church. That was the land given. But for some reason, we've been out of the land, and it would take a prophet of Malachi 4 to bring us back into the land with the third phase of his message, the third pull, to bring us back into our inheritance again. Hallelujah. Now, I want to announce to you, we're no longer out of the land. We're here. We're here, right here, smack dab, right in this Bible. With, with a Bible prophet, a Bible message, a Bible truth. Come on, somebody. With Bible holiness. Amen. With, with, with the Bible alive. We're back in the land. But what took us out of the land? Because if we can see what took us out, then we can know what, how to safeguard ourselves from being pulled back out again. Now, let me just say, you know, in the, in, in the modern-day Israel, and I'm just going to briefly talk about this, but in modern-day Israel, I've been reading on the Genesis, the 1947 and 8 war, and, I, and, I, and as, I, as I've been reading there, I'm just overwhelmed at the rivalry and the jealousy between the factions of the Jewish people. And it was because of their divisions that almost caused them to lose the land. They actually had three different sections of, 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 of fighting men and, and whatever. And every one of them, every one of these different sections, it was not acting as one army, but they were acting as three different factions and they were bickering and fussing and the jealousies and and, 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 and uh, uh, doubting one another and second-guessing one another and refusing to cooperate with one another. And because of that, if it wasn't for the grace of God overriding, they would have lost everything. 
They would be prisoners or dead under Palestinian rule today. There wouldn't be a land of Israel, but God said, I'm going to bring them out and I'm going to establish them there. And I'll tell you, church, it's the same way today. I wonder, why haven't we made progression? Why haven't we went out and fully conquered every divine promise out there? There's been too many divisions, too many kingdom builders. Amen. Too much jealousy. Come on. Everybody wanted their own glory rather than working for the kingdom of God. And that's what, that is the struggle in the message today. Our danger of destruction, it ain't out here from Catholicism or even communism. It ain't out here. It's right here within us. Amen. Factions rising up with ideas that are different from what the prophet said. Our method of studying the message anymore, you know, is just a, uh, you know, to do a little word search and, and pick and choose the quotes and build an idea. And, I, and over here is a whole discard pile of unused quotes that would have balanced the whole thing out. Amen. But now notice here, we, there was some reason we got out of the land. That's, and, and there are the same thing will try to pull us out of the land today. We're here. How many believes that? Amen. Amen. The third pull of Brother Brandon's ministry, the opening of the word, brought us back to the land of the Bible. Amen. We now have Godhead, serpent seed, predestination, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, everything laying right there in the land. Amen. It's there for your benefit. It's there for you to avail yourself of it. Amen. Amen. There's too many of you living beneath your privilege, living still defeated lives. Your marriages are in shambles. Your family is in shambles. Your teenagers are in rebellion. Why is it? It's because you haven't availed yourself of what's in this land. I promise you in this land there's good homes. There's good churches. There's divine healing. There's the power of the Holy Ghost. It all lays in this land. Amen. And it's up for leaving like tabernacle to say, this is my land. And I'm going to have every divine promise. It'll be for me. It'll be for my house. It'll be for my children. It'll be for my children's children. It'll be for as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. It's time we stand up. Hallelujah. Be a unified body. Amen. You let little schisms rise up, little, little things that keeps you from worshiping, keeps you from putting everything in it. I tell you, it's time to lay that aside. It's time to lay aside childish pettiness. Amen. And realize God's moving. And I want to move with him. God is healing. And I want to be healed with it. Amen. God is delivering his people and I want to be delivered with it. The gates of hell are coming down and I want to be delivered with it. Brother Branham would say in the Sardisian church age, he said, yes, the spirit is not seven spirits but one. See, he's not divided. He'll always be the same and act the same and the seven messengers 
will have the same spirit and teach the same word and have the same power. And if the church is the true church, is anybody tuned in right now? If the church is the true church, it will have the very same spirit and word and acts of power that they had at Pentecost. By experience, it will be a Pentecostal church. And there will be tongues and interpretation and prophecy and healing. And God will be in the midst of her. And God will declare himself in the midst of her as he always has. Hallelujah. God wants a church like he started it. Amen. That's the way he's going to finish the church. She'll be exactly the way he started it. Amen. So we have been prophesied to return to Pentecost. Now, I know today that is a a bad word. It's no different than what happened in the ghettos where they take the sacred star of David, pin it on the Jews, and it becomes a dirty sign of of a dastardly, downtrodden people. Amen? Amen. That's the way it is when you're out of the land. But when you get in the land, Amen. That star of David is a symbol of pride, symbol of life, a symbol of power. Out of the land, amen, in the ghettos and by denomination, it is something that that describes a, a downtrodden people. Oh, you know, them old Pentecostal. Let me tell you, I'm proud to be called a Pentecostal because I'm in the land. Amen. Somebody asked me, well, when we come out on an elevator, when I was in Virginia, there was a couple of guys that walked out of the elevator or walked on with us and they looked at us and said, are y'all Pentecostal? I said, yes, we're original Pentecostal. Amen. We're Pentecostal by experience. He said, apostolic, huh? I said, all the way. <laughs> Amen. He said, with apostolic doctrine. I said, yeah, with apostolic doctrine. I don't know what he was calling apostolic doctrine, but I know what I'm calling apostolic doctrine because I have returned to the gospel that Paul preached, to the land that Paul walked in, amen, to the place he established, a predestination of eternal security, a baptism in Jesus' name, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, of divine healing. I have returned back to the land of the apostles. I have returned back by the prophet of Malachi 4. Back to truth again. Brother Branham would see us in a vision. He would see you. He would see first the other churches, but then he would see you. And he would see you walking to the step of music of God's word marching on by. And he said, when I saw it, I stood there with my hands up crying. And when I come to, I was standing on the porch out there looking right out across the field. What? She is to be the same bride. Somebody say it. Same bride. The same kind, built out of the same kind of material that she was in the first place. Now read Malachi 4 and see if we're not supposed to have a message in the last day that had turned the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Back to the original Pentecostal message 
word by word. Brothers, we are here. This is what he said. We are here. We have arrived. Amen. Now that you're here, you've got to arm yourself and go take it. There's plenty of others that are camped here. You're going to have to take it. Amen. You're going to have to fight to possess it. Is that right? Amen. Now, notice here, because Brother Branham would say in the Feast of the Trumpets, we find in the Scripture in Malachi 4, there is to be an anointing come down. In Malachi 4, that there is an anointing come down to restore again that original faith and to bring back the faith of the people back to the original Pentecost, the faith of the fathers. Furthermore, he continues to emphasize this in the whole sermon, Feast of the Trumpets, where he says, Malachi 4, we see, we see here that's supposed to be done to restore what? The faith of the people back to the original fathers, the Pentecostal doctrine, the original fathers. Somehow or another, we got all crossed up around the message. We began to think that we had something because of the opening of the seals, that we had something different from what Paul preached. I tell you, if we did, we're a bunch of cursed people. We don't preach that here in this church. Amen. We're not preaching another gospel. We're not preaching an addition to the book. Come on now. We're not preaching something that Paul didn't preach. Amen. All that the seals did was opened up what Paul preached and brought us back to the original doctrine, word by word. And if you preach anything else, you're cursed. Amen. This is, this is a curse, an ancient curse that says, Cursed be him that removeth the neighbor's landmark. And if you come and try to move the landmark, off of the book of Acts, come on somebody, off of the original word of God, you're accursed. Amen. But you know, that's the way the enemy does. He tries to move the landmark. Just move it just a little bit where you don't notice it. Amen. So we, we take it and we move the landmark so far until that many of us, or many times there's a, 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 an intellectual gospel being preached. Amen, without any power thereof. Until they're fulfilling the very scripture that they deny. Because they have a form of godliness, they deny the power thereof. I'm going to tell you, friends, there's a power in this word. Amen, I have preachers coming to me telling me, Brother Tim, we got the Holy Ghost, but our people are in porn and they're doing a homosexual act. And I just tell them, you know, you've just got to grow a little more. And one day, you know, you'll outgrow all them things. I said, nonsense. You're not going to outgrow them things. You'll grow right into them. You've got to be born again according to Malachi 4. You've got to die to sin and the sin nature be taken out of your life. Amen. And you have a pillar of fire experience that burns a serpent out of your life. That's why today the message churches are setting full of rotten eggs because they've never been with the mate. They don't know Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Therefore, they'll never do exploits. But we are a different people. There is an elect in this last day, and we're a part of that elect. And there are a people that know their God who will do exploits. Now, he tells us between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. In other words, you see, the trumpets have called Israel back to their homeland. They're waiting on their seventh trumpet to reveal the Messiah to them. And before the Messiah is revealed to Israel, there is a prophet to appear before the Gentiles to call the people back to the original Pentecostal doctrine. I'm just trying to tell you where we've been called back to. We'll get these other points in a moment. He said, there will, then he concludes in Feast of the Trumpets, there will come a messenger in the last day. will guide the people back to the first fruit, back to the original faith. Grant it, Lord, that that great messenger among us now, the great Christ, the Holy Spirit made vivid, made understand and opening up the word and revealing it to us. May he guide them back to the original Pentecostal faith. Amen. So God has called us in this day with a spiritual exodus. It would be, it would resound from, from Revelation 18 where he says, come out of her, my people. I'm going to plague Egypt. Come out of her. Be separate, saith the Lord. Come on, church. Amen. This is exactly what God has done in this day. He's, he's had a bridegroom call that called you out. Amen. That calls you to go in with the bridegroom. Hallelujah. It's the bridegroom call all the way. Notice now. You know, notice there they were. Now, here we are. We see terrific judgment laying right before us. We see bombs that are in the hangars. We see our president racing to try to pacify the North Koreans, pacify the Russians. Try to, try to keep peace with, with the Arabs and, you know, keep the uprisings from coming that are rising everywhere. Everybody, every kind of jealous spirit, demonic spirits of the world anointing people. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. And there, there, there are, you know, uh, anointing this and uh, wars and rumors of wars. Earthquakes that are happening in divers places. Signs of the end time all around us. Terrific judgment laying for the church. Amen. For the church will go through the tribulation. But before this judgment can happen, and I'm quoting your prophet, there, there has, God is calling an exodus like he did then. Amen. Calling an exodus. Amen. Amorite sin was heaped up. So he's calling a spiritual exodus. Now, so he said, now let's go back and look at the type and see why. See why it was that they went down to Egypt to begin with. He said, all because of the jealousy of a brother. That's the reason Israel was in Egypt at that time out of the land. Because God's promise was only as long as they stayed in that land. Think about that. The jealousy of a brother. Joseph, a spiritual man. And they thought 
Why not just get rid of him? He's having all these visions. He's having all of these things. He, you know, he, he's, you know, uh, there, there's Reuben over here. He's supposed to be um, the, the, the firstborn and, and so on like that. And, and here he comes up and he's a favorite brother. He's got a coat of many colors. The covenant is with him. The blessings are upon him. The father's, the father's blessings is upon him. And he's got all these dreams and visions. And man, he's, he, he thinks he's this big boy and we're all going to bow down to him. Amen. And he said that they think that our churches has become intellectual. That we got the best dressed crowds, the biggest organization, the most smartest ministers, that we have no use of the Holy Spirit in the way it was back there. And he said that they're full. And this is a problem today. This is a problem that we can't even have individually. We get full. We got so much word and so much message and so much doctrine and so much teaching that we get so full, we're satisfied. Now, we have no use for the Holy Spirit. In other words, Actions speak louder than words. They're seminaries, and they're the brain of their being, and they're coming together discussing this thing and are more able with intellectual minds to set the church in order better than what the Holy Spirit would do it. And this is what we've had. We've had men that rise up with so much intellectual powers that could say it better than the prophet. That could bring clarity to the message. That could say what he couldn't say. And they did. They certainly came and said what he couldn't say and what he didn't say. Amen. But with their own actual intellectual minds to set a church in order better than the Holy Spirit could do it. They don't need it any longer. It's something we don't need today. It's the days of its past. Isn't that just right? We don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. Do you know that spirit worked right here in the confines of the message? We don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. Why? You know, we, who, who needs uh, to, to major on a minor? Well, my attitude is if, you know, if this is a minor and that's the major, well, I can't have it all unless I have the minor to go with it. So even if it's a minor, I want it. Amen. Amen. Whatever it is, we don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. We got doctors. We don't need the Holy Spirit. I'm quoting your prophet from Third Exodus. He said, we don't need the Holy Spirit to speak with tongues. And didn't we get the same attitude around the message? Come on, church. Somebody help me now. We're all intelligent people. And when you do, you take right from your framework the lifeline. Jesus said to them Jews in this day, haven't you read the stone that was rejected as a chief cornerstone that all the building is set upon? So you see, again, 
We don't need divine healing. You know, we got the message now. That which is, imper- which, is, which is perfect has come. So that which is in part is done away with. So we don't need that part. Well, then how can you have it all when you deny a part? Amen. When that which is perfect has come, you have all the parts. Amen. It don't do away with a part. It says we got all the parts. And in the church in the last day, there will be speaking in tongues. There will be moves of the Holy Ghost. There will be divine healing. These signs shall follow them that believe. There will be real Holy Ghost experience. Hallelujah. That's what will be in the end time church because that's what's in the land. That's what Paul taught. Amen. You want Paul's attitude about tongues? He said, I would. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all, but I wish you all would speak in tongues but rather that you prophesy. Amen. We don't need it. He goes on to say, he said, I'm sure you catch that. The reason of it is they thought they would never have need of Them brothers thought they would never need Joseph. They don't need this dreamer. They don't need that spiritual boy telling them by vision what's going to happen. This is why Pentecost stayed down in Egypt. Because they didn't need Malachi 4. Amen. We have have speaking in tongues instead. And that became more greater than than the very word of God. The very miracles that was taking place before them. And they esteemed that higher. Made their own creed. Amen. We want to come around and now we want to do the opposite. We don't want tongues anymore. We don't want the moving of the Spirit. We don't, and he goes on to say, we don't need speakers with tongues. We don't need interpreters of tongues. We no longer need Old Testament prophets to set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand it. And they have adopted a man-made system to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, now listen, everybody in tune right now? Therefore, there is a people that is elected that has their name on the Lamb's Book of Life and they can't go for that. Am I preaching to that kind of people this morning? We can't go for that. No, sir, we want all the words. We want every promise of it. Amen. We want divine healing. We want speaking with tongues. We want the power of God and the salvation. We want holiness. We want everything the Bible said. We want what Paul had. Therefore, there's a people that's elected that has their names on the Lamb's Book of Life. They can't go for that. They are spiritual-minded and therefore cannot go for that. Mama, that's me. Is that you this morning? Amen. They can't stand it. No matter if their fathers and mothers was lived in whatever organizational church. And when a church makes or does that, maybe it wouldn't speak that out right out. Oh, no. They won't speak it right out. But their actions prove it. Here is the word, and the Holy Spirit proves it among those 
when he can get them gathered together that he still heals the sick and raises the dead and speaks with tongues and casts out devils. So it depends what's on the inside of a person. Amen. But the church feels that it don't need the Holy Spirit. The churches will tell you that. Men will stand up and give you such an intellectual talk that can almost make you believe it. Now, let's stop here a minute. Didn't Jesus say the two would be so close together it would deceive the very elected if possible? The intellectual talks would be so smooth that it would deceive the people. Can you imagine the spirit of deception today that tells you that the blood has lost its power, that Christ is no longer the high priest, that there's no more mercy there, that he's no more the intercessor? And intellectual talks from intellectual men who have never met God because those those that have eternal life will not stand for that. Hallelujah. No, sir, they will believe in the blood. Amen. They will believe in the work of the Lamb. They will believe that he intercedes on our behalf. Say, well, he only interceded for ignorance. I defy that. Go back and look. You just picked that one little quote. And I'll tell you, if he did intercede for ignorance, he needs to because there's a lot of ignorance around. Amen. A lot of ignorance. Because when you say the Lamb has left the mercy seat, that's ignorance. And there needs to be an intercessor or else you're going to be lost. Amen. Amen. But there is, a, there is a lamb that intercedes. Is somebody still with me now? Amen. Now, so now the intellectual talk be so smooth, it would deceive the very elect. It's gospel. It's men who can handle the word in such a way that he can make almost any intellectual person. If you're trusting in your intellectuals, they would condemn the Holy Spirit and take the way of man. But how we see that wheel in the wheels moving. God's great plan moving everything up to this exodus, to this time, when he would call his people in the land again, back in the place and position where he could bless them and place them among them, the one that he promised he would place among them. They had to be in their land. Remember, they had to come out of the land they were in and get into the land of promise before the promised Messiah could ever come. And church, we've got to be back in the land or the Messiah can never come. Amen. The church has got to do the same thing. Get out of that group of rejectors and over into the promise before the Messiah can ever be manifested before them. You see it. The life of the Messiah manifested, making a church ready a bride. A woman marry a man and disagreeing with him and be some kind of fuss continually. But when a man and his wife, his girlfriend, his spouse, when they are perfect harmony, like one soul and one mind because they're going to be one flesh. And when the church can get in such harmony with God, when the manifestations of the bridegroom is manifested in the bride because they're going to be one. Oh, what a great lesson. Amen. And I say it's a great lesson to us today. Don't leave the Lamb. Amen. Don't leave the power of the Holy Ghost because in the Lamb is where all the blessings are. Amen. And where the blessings are, that's where the Messiah will come. Amen. And if you want the Holy Ghost today, come back to the Word of God. 
Amen. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll give you an experience with him. That'll be his life infused into you. Amen. Oh, my. You say, well, Brother Tim, it's only emotion that you're preaching. Well, in time evangelism, Brother Branham addresses that. He said the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious people have tried to prove this blessed thing we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. See, it just don't stand up according to their scientific theory. I'd like them to ask them this. What makes them change? What makes the drunkard stop drinking? What makes the prostitute cease her evil life? What makes the cancer and the diseases depart from the people? Amen. And the deaf and dumb and blind and the dead to raise up. Explain that. Is that emotion? It has emotion with it, certainly. It ain't emotion, but it does have emotion. Hallelujah. You remember the other day when that revelation of sons of God, of what God's doing this age, struck Sister Lana sitting back there on that pew. Amen. It wasn't emotion that did it. It was the act of the Holy Ghost, but it became emotional. She began to express what had happened on the inside of her. She began to rejoice that her enemy was dead. Hallelujah. And when your enemy is dead, when sin is dead as midnight, you will not be able to withstand rejoicing in the God of your salvation. Hallelujah. Because it's life that has come on the inside of you, the power of God and the salvation. Hallelujah. It'll make the drunkard stop drinking. Amen. It'll make the liar quit lying. It'll make the man with a demonic temper. Amen. Settle down and bring that under control of the Holy Ghost. It ain't emotion, but it has emotion with it. Amen. Anything that's alive has emotion. And anything that doesn't have emotion is dead. Excuse the expression, but I think we ought to bury some of our emotionless religion there because it's dead. It has no emotion to it. And any religion that has not emotion should be buried because it is emotional. Hallelujah. In this land, there are conquerors. And when they conquer, there's shouts of joy. There's victory dances. There's praise goes to their king. Amen. There, there is a bread, there is exalting of the name of God. Is that right? Amen. Where, anywhere there's victory, there's going to be joy. Amen. Brother Branham sitting around in the seat of the scornful one time watching a couple of ladies in his church, you know, get down there and dance. He said, they turned my, my church into a tavern. And he said, he began to think about it for a little bit. And he said, you know, I don't know any scripture about that. And then God began to reveal to him some scripture. He said, you know, every time there was victory, there was dancing. Amen. Amen. Said Miriam got the victory. She saw her enemy was dead in the Dead Sea. I mean, the Red Sea. Are you with me? Amen. She got the dancing. Amen. When you see your enemy is dead. Hallelujah. It causes a spring in your step. It causes a joy of the Lord. It causes you to rejoice in God because your enemy is dead. 
God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching to some people today that had a victory in their life. And because of the victory in their life, your enemy is dead and you are alive in Christ. And you can't help but solve the joy that is on the inside of you. It becomes joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Bury your emotionless religion. Get something with life in it. Amen. That gives you something to be happy about. Take some crown off of your face. Put some joy in your heart. Put some spring in your step. Put a victory in your life. Put the confession in your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. But you know how it become, how the enemy got in the, in the first church, how it took them out of the land, was a little spirit. It looked like Christ, but it wasn't Christ. It was on a white horse, but it was an impersonator. Remember the first seal? He went forth conquering and to conquer. And buddy, he did. Amen. The way he did it, here's the way he conquered. Amen. He, he, he began to conquer like this. As, and Brother Branham tells us, you go listen to the second seal. He tells you how that the, the church got conquered and got taken out of the land. He said, now, what, what happens, he says, it was the devil all the time. But he was disguised as Christ. And he was an impersonating spirit. And so he was difficult to tell. It was just a little doctrine that went forward. It was just a little attitude that got among the people. Hello now. And he said the Spirit of God had fallen upon them. They went from house to house breaking bread. And uh, they, were, they were in great fellowship. There was signs and wonders following. But after a while, a little jealousy got among them. Satan began to cause a murmur to come up. Now this is what happened in the book of Acts. This is how they began to lose their power. Now, I want to say something to you, church. We have been promised to come back to the book of Acts. But our promise is not the murmuring, the division, the persecution, all the other things that happened in the book of Acts. That was not the acts of the Holy Spirit. You have been called to be a book of Acts church. What acts? Not the acts of flesh, murmuring, dissensions, divisions, but the acts of the Holy Ghost, power, anointing, healing, deliverance, Holy Ghost. That's what you've been called to. Satan started a murmur among them, just like he likes to do in any church. You know, well, you know, in this church, I don't like it. They sing too long. They preach too long. They do this. They do that. A little thing, a little dissension. Don't you know? Don't you know a little leaven will leaven the whole lump? Don't you know that little bit of sin? And come out from among them. Say, let that thing behind. Right. Amen. Now notice, he said, and then the next thing you say, well, he said that then, he said that, you know, it was the common people that got the Holy Ghost. Servants and slaves and whatever got the Holy Ghost. They didn't have fancy temples to meet in. They had little, they had little caves, dark, dingy places. Like we started out on, on White Oak Road out there. Yes, Amen. An old abandoned church building with swap, 
we, we, we swept up the, 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 the wasp out of and with buckets full of them. And, you know, we, we did all that. You know, it didn't have no place to go. And he, and he said that he embraced Christianity and go down there where they're meeting in a little old dark, dingy hall, clap their hands and shout and speaking in tongues and getting messages. This is the second seal now. Listen, this is sealed, sealed words. Is anybody with me? Amen. This is the words of a prophet of God as he breaking over this, open the second seal. He said, they, they embrace Christianity and go down to a little dark place where they're meeting, little dark dingy hall, clap their hands and shout and speaking in tongues and getting messages. Why? Then he could never take that. This businessman would get converted. You know, his slave, his slave would introduce him to Christ and what had happened and tell him the gospel, bring him to the church. And now he's sitting in this old, old-fashioned group and a bunch of old poor people dressed poor. Why, he could never take his, his associates or his competitor he uses here, or oh, whatever it was in his business, he'd never believe it like that, certainly not. So he's got to dress it up. Now, let me tell you, this message don't need dressing up. Now, God has blessed us with a beautiful church. God has blessed us with a paid-for building. Amen. But, oh, church, that's not where our credibility lies. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost, we're just another dead morgue. Amen. It's got a little fancier church than the neighbor down the street. Brother, that's not our goal. Our goal isn't to have the prettiest building. Our goal is to be a church that is on fire with the power of God. A church that knows their God, that does exploits. Are you with me? Oh, he he had to dress it up. Oh, that's what they've done with the message today. You know, Brother Branham had his Kentucky English and his Kentucky grammar. So we need to kind of fix what he said. You know, we got to get a little bit ashamed. And, you know, and the first thing you know, you know, everybody is wearing a, almost a tuxedo, look like they're a million dollars. Yeah, I, I'm preaching now. That's right. it, isn't, it isn't long, you know, until, you know, they get so aristocratic. You know, we're the up and ups. We got money in our pocket. You know, we, we're, we're, the, we're the so-and-so. You know, you, you owe us a little something. And, and he said, they, he said, these people, he said, what the Nicolaitan age asked for, it asked to get away from them bunch of people that shouts. That's not what I want to get away from. That's what I want us to get back to. Amen. And clap their hands and look disgracefully like they did on Pentecost and act like drunk men. I'm still reading from the second seal. Staggering in the spirit and things. They didn't want none of that stuff. They said they were drunk. And when the celebrity, now this may sound crazy to you, but it's the truth. When the dignitaries begin to come, they couldn't stoop to that. What God makes big is because he's big enough to stoop down. That's what makes him big. He was the king of heaven, but come to the lowest city. 
So there has been an effort to intellectualize the message. To make it a bunch of creeds. Just to make it a, a formal something of another to dress it up. As I said first, everybody's got to dress like a million dollars. You know, I, I, I was in a meeting here some time ago overseas. Brother, was, he was indignant. That Donnie Reagan. Donnie Reagan, can you imagine? He came to our meeting in a pair of Levi's. And they called him up to sing in blue jeans. Well, it so happened that Donnie Reagan had dressed to, to, to leave on a trip for that meeting, to, to go on a plane, and had taken in the service that morning not having a place to change, he had already changed into his traveling clothes, and they called him up to sing, and the brother got so indignant. Can you imagine wearing blue jeans to church? I said, well, I didn't know that was wrong. I said, well, you know, when we sat our church, we had splinters in our pews, and when you slid down the length of those pews there, I know I dug four out of them out one night the whole time. Because while the preacher was preaching, I slid down just a little bit to be able to get my neck just right to see him. And I got four splinters in my leg, and I sat there picking splinters. I wasn't chewing fingernails or cutting them in the church and doing my manicure. Shame on you. Amen. But what I was doing was picking those splinters out. And we didn't wear, you know, we, we wore clean stuff, but we didn't, we didn't wear because of the condition of the, of the pews. You know, because of the, of, the, of the rustic conditions. Because we were all simple folks. But it got to the point, you know, we got to be the dress, best dressed crowd. I'm not against wearing your best. I think everybody should wear your best to church. That sure shows respect. But again, you know, you can't look down on somebody else because you think that you've got a greater social status because you've got a few extra diamonds on you or because you dress a little better than somebody else. Amen. This Holy Ghost, Brother Brandon would say, would make a silk dress and hug up the calico and call her sister. It don't make any difference. Amen. We're not putting any difference in riches. Are you with me? Second, they begin to intellectualize the baptism of the Holy Ghost and making it just accepting the message and, and making sure you kill all the emotion that would go with it because it's not emotional, you see. Oh, it is emotional. You can't have deity come in your life and not feel something happen. Amen. It's going to change you somehow or another. Amen. Oh, maybe you don't jump like the next one. Maybe you don't shout like the next one. Maybe you, maybe you cry. Maybe you sigh. Maybe you smile. Maybe you giggle. I don't know what you'll do, but you'll know deity has come on the inside of you, and your life will be changed. It ain't some certain emotion. It's just, it's emotional. Amen. It makes me shout. It'll make me cry. It makes me dance sometimes. It makes me rejoice. Come on. It'll make me, oh, it, it, it just stirs me up all on the inside. Amen. Oh, my. Third, it used church order that was given to give scriptural order in the church to church order the Holy Spirit 
right out of the church. And Brother Branham told us why. Because the modern church don't want to give birth. She don't want to give birth. And he said, any birth is a mess. He said, whether it's in a pink dye decorated hospital room or in a, in a pig stall, it's a mess. There's a mess goes with it. Amen. When you get a birth, you'll cry, you'll shout. Amen. There, it's a mess. It'll make a mess out of you. But whatever, you'll become a new creature. Is that right? Amen. I remember Jaron here, here the other day. You know, when, when he came, I saw a prodigal son coming home. And, and if you was, I wasn't going to let him go with just a little intellectual conception. Amen. I wanted to see him have a real birth. Amen. Get right down where the sin is dead as midnight. Amen. When we call the saints around and say, pray with our prodigal son. We got one come home, pray him through. Let him get a real dose of Jesus in his life. It'll change him forever. And I tell you, you get Jesus in your life, you'll be a little Jesus. What little with his power, with his glory, working in your life. Are you with me? But he said a true picture of the modern church today. Neither does the modern church want any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue speaking, Acts 2.38, youngins around her. Yeah, she don't want any of them whooping and crying and screaming. Amen. Hallelujah. Why, such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had one of them like that in their churches. Why, they'd throw her right out, right quick. Why are you letting stuff like this go on? Oh, she don't want none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering to Acts 2.38 miserable creatures. She thinks they are. It would certainly embarrass her. It would ruin her. And her educated, ethical, scientific society church that she belonged to here, they would throw her out at the next council. That she can't do it, so she don't want to be pregnated with the word because that's the only kind that the word can bring forth. So if you want children of the word, that's the only kind they'll bring. Them Acts 2.38 blabbering, screaming, youngins, amen, saying glory to God, hallelujah, amen. Oh, he said, born of the spirit of God. It's got the spirit of God in it. But you see, what got them down into Egypt was because they didn't think they would need that no more. They thought, you know, we've had enough. We've had enough of this spiritual boy. And they sold him down into Egypt. And that got them down, dispersed out of the land. What dispersed the church originally from the land? What's caused us to go into wandering these past seven ages? Because the Nicolaitan spirit come in and says, we're the church. And we're not going to have that kind of thing going on. And they begin to intellectualize it. And take the spirit out of the church. And when it did, it moved there to the next thing. They started drinking of that wine 
of the church, the doctrine of the wine for their stimulation, the next thing you know, they develop a trinity. And God's not one anymore because they're seeing three. They're so drunk. And the next thing you know, they're worshiping Mary. And that she is the mediator between God and man. And if you want something from Jesus, go ask his mother. Because he's got to mind his mama. And the next thing you know, it just goes one step away after another after another until the church forgot the God of Abraham. Or can I say the church forgot the God of Paul and the doctrines of the church. So it was going to take a visitation of a pillar of fire. Is somebody with me now? Amen. To a prophet to bring an exodus to go back to the land. And I'm just going to tell you, church, that's where we've been. That's where we've come from. And that's where I'm not going back. I'll never go back to Egypt again. I know there's been many that's, that's made, their, made them a captive to go back to Egypt, but I'm not going there. We're going to the land of promise. Amen. But what I'm asking you to do today is put aside your division. Put aside your murmur. Put aside your thinking. We've got it all. We've arrived. I want you to start walking through the length of this land. I want you to see what's all in it. I want you to experience everything that's in it. That's the goal I have for this church, that you would experience all that God has. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost. You're not making it in the rapture. Without being in the land of the Holy Ghost, that's where he's coming, to those that are spirit-filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Your lamp's trimmed and clear. Look up, your redemption draws near. What a day we're living in, church. Why don't you bow your heads with me? I just want to just stop about it. You cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm quoting Brother Branham. Without having an experience when it happens. And I'm just saying, today is the joy, is the the joy of the Lord your joy? Is the love of the Lord your love? Is the quest to know God your quest? Are you there? Were you saying, take the whole world, just give me Jesus? I want every promise that's in the Bible. I want every promise in the Word. I, I, I just want Him. Take this whole world, just give me Jesus. You say, well, I believe every speck of the message, Brother Tim. That's good. The Word is just laying there then for the Holy Spirit to put to work. But it takes the lighting of the candle. You can have the tallow, the candle with the tallow, the wick in it. You can have everything in that candle. But until the fire comes on, it won't shine light. No matter how perfect the candle is, how perfect it'll burn, it's got to be lit. when you believe and you're made up of the instruction of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering goodness, 
the fruits that it bears. That's all good. But until the Holy Spirit with a fiery experience comes down and lights the candle, you're still outside the land. You haven't received the Holy Ghost. You've got to have an experience to have the Holy Ghost. And this experience is not that we're talking about is not just a jump or shout, nor is it speaking in tongues or any certain thing. But it's where you meet God and your life is changed. Brother Branham, in, in the message this day, the scriptures fulfilled, he pointed you right back to the Acts 2.38 experience. He told you that's the eternal prescription. And people are falling short of that eternal prescription. You haven't taken the inoculation against sin. Therefore, sin is still in your life. You bring sodomy into your marriage. You bring, you know, uh, you, you can't stay out of the Netflix and the movies. You got to be entertained. You got to keep up with Hollywood. You got to have sex appeal. All of these other things. It's because the candle hasn't been lit that would scatter that darkness. Won't you ask God in your life today, say, Lord, scatter all the darkness. Let the light shine into the dark places. Illuminate every promise of the word. You're taking a bride in a rapture in this last day, and I don't want to miss it. Can't afford to miss. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I see people coming so close. See them so close. They, they can see God sent a prophet. They can say, I believe that message. And they get so close. And yet are so far away from it. They fail to take possession of what's in the land. So close. You know, when they come into the land, there had to be a circumcision of the new generation. Why don't you say, Lord, take the world off of me today. Take the unbelief off of me today. Circumcise me today, Lord. Purge me, O oh God, and cleanse me. Man, if you don't know him in the power of his resurrection, if you don't know him as one that can change a life, you get so miserable, you'll even try to take your own life. You get so miserable, you try to identify with this and that and the other because you're looking for an identity. Would you ask, Lord, let me find my identity in you. Let me find it in you today, Jesus. things that took us out of the land it was the denial of the supernatural when we come back into the land the supernatural becomes prevalent 
comes alive. Would there be somebody here today? Would there be those that says, Brother Tim, I'm one of those elected. My name's on the book of life. And I can't stand this. It's taken away the power of God away from the church. I want the power of the resurrection in my life. I want the reality of God there. I want the Holy Spirit to move. I don't want even a light tabernacle just become a dignified intellectual church. And just because God's blessed us with a few niceties that we can walk it around with our nose up and in the air as though we're somebody. But we remain humble and sweet and saying, God, I need you. I need you. Come by my way. Be in this service today. Anoint me afresh and anew. No matter what I've had before, I want more of you, Lord. Take away sin, doubt, unbelief, Lord. Purge me, God. Cleanse me. Let me have that real experience that we're talking about. Not, not just come up and jump or shout or speak in tongues or come down to the altar. Let somebody pat you on the back or beat you on the back or whatever. But where, you, where I meet God, my life has changed. My life has changed. Well, then I, I give away my opinion and what God's opinion and what, what his word says. And it becomes more important than any other thing. I want you, Lord. I want you today. Would you say that, Lord? Amen, that I could have that experience as a Christian, my own experience, a renewed walk with you, Lord, a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Amen. So I've been in the message a long time, Brother Tim, but oh, has it just made you a, dign, you know, a dignitary and some elitism or still that humility that comes in that says, I need you, Jesus. I need you to speak to me today, Lord. I don't have enough. I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I want your Holy Spirit to reign supreme. And I, I, you know, it, 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 whatever you got, I want it, Lord. Whatever it is, I want it. Amen. Whatever you would leave my soul to believe, I want it. I, I just want you, Jesus. I want more of you now. Take this world, Lord. Take sin out of my life. Take darkness. Take unbelief. Feel me, Lord. In Jesus' name, till there's more of you. More of you in my life, Lord. The sin is dead as midnight. And I'm alive in Christ. Hallelujah. With the supernatural works. Oh, evening light, we never want the light to go out. Oh, evening light, we never want the supernatural to quit having its way. We want him. We want him in, the, in his full power. Invite him today. Invite him to come afresh in you. Afresh in you. The song says, how long has it been? How long has it been since he just moved on your soul, just bathed you down in the Holy Ghost? The sweetness and the joy of the Lord came. And I heard a young man say to me here some time ago, I, I don't want what my mama's got. He said, she's so miserable. Why do I want to be miserable? Oh, don't have just enough to make you miserable. Make it so real in your life to become a joy unspeakable till the power of God is under salvation in your life. The sweetness of the Holy Spirit just moves through, moves through. And when the sin gets called out, it can't stay among us. 
Amen. To the, it makes an Ananias and Sapphira, as it were, calling out sin, exposing it. And it, it don't get comfortable on our pews, but there's, a, that there's something that happens. The word going forth exposing our unbelief so that we can repent of it and move on with God, to move a little higher, to dig a little deeper. Amen. Oh, let us not be like those in the book of Judges who would say, neither did Zebulun, neither did Naphtalun, neither did this one, neither did that one, neither did any of them inherit their land. But the, but the Philistines still camped on it. If you've got Philistines in your life, if you've got the enemy there that you're dealing with in your life, you've got some habit of the world, maybe it's some game, and maybe it's some addiction, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is right here right here this morning to give you a, a closer walk to give you that intimacy to go walk with you maybe you've been going on the wrong way like those on the way to Emmaus but he's calling you back this morning and reaching out to you reaching out to you and say turn around come on maybe maybe you started out you're a young person maybe you, you saw God draw you and move you but you kind of got stale in your experience don't get stale there. Come on. There's a whole land to conquer. Amen. There, there's everything laying right before you. All the powers of God. You can have more than what you have. He that hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. Amen. Maybe you got to where, you know, you only can stomach just a few minutes of a sermon and then you just shut down. Why don't you come down to a place where that? God can adopt you into the family where you want everything that God has. You just say, open it up to me, Lord. Reveal yourself to me. Let the word of God come dwell in me richly, Lord. Let it be a, the power of God and the salvation. Let it work in me, Lord. I want you with all my heart. I want you with all my life. Amen. Just worship him now then. Amen. Come on, let's sing that. I want more. That's the way it's got to be. That's the way it's got to be. I need more of you. What? Till there's no room left in me. All those wasted hours and minutes. Give them to you, Lord. Come on, sing it again to it now. Come on, worship it now. Just say it, make it your prayer.
Sir. Sure.